audio sermons from Peachtree Christian Church. Today's scripture is Psalm 96, verses 1 through 9. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning again, and um, I, I make mention again because some of you stepped in after I shared at the welcome, but uh, Reverend Dr. Longbonds has um, struggled with liver disease past year or so and was on the liver transplant list, and yesterday he got the call, and so he is in the hospital awaiting surgery. It will be this evening at 6 p.m. at Piedmont Hospital. If you please keep, that, um, keep him and his family and the surgeon in your prayers. Um, he's very hopeful. It is a great match, um, and it will be a very successful um, surgery. And so yesterday, um, I was at Six Flags um, with some youth, and we took some youth from the church here to Six Flags, and Colleen, actually, uh, Jared's wife, went with me, and we were having a great time, and then she got the call, and we are so excited. This was it. This was, you know, Jared's time, and... Um, then, she, you know, I'm, I'm worried about her. She needs to leave. She needs to get to him. But she turns to me. She goes, are you prepared to preach? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and so I guess, yes, I am. I, you know, always called to. Um, but I was standing in line at one of the rides and I asked the students, I said, well, guys, what do you guys think I should preach on? What do you, what do you think? Well, we were at Six Flags and one of the major rides at Six Flags is Goliath. And so they turned to me like, oh, you should preach about Goliath. You know, David like slayed Goliath and that'd be a great sermon, how we conquer our fears. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Um, but so this morning it's not about David and Goliath, but I did read over the lectionary passages when I got home last night at 9.30, 10 o'clock. <laughs> and um, I selected, I felt led to um, preached this morning on the Psalm, on Psalm 96, that was so beautifully read this morning. So um, with that, let us begin in prayer. Join me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your light. We thank you for the grace that you have poured out upon our lives and our church and our community. We thank you for this moment, this time that we can gather and worship you, hear from you. God, we do ask that you would open our ears, open our eyes, that we may hear and see what you have for us this morning. Help us to leave here transformed and changed, more into the image of Christ, more devoted followers of you. 
And so Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Well, so growing up in the church, I was taught um, a lot about the Bible and particularly where things were in the Bible and how to find specific books in the Bible. And I was taught, and maybe you were as well, that if you um, opened up the Bible to the middle, you most likely would find the Psalm, the Psalms, right? So um, it works about 99% of the time. You just open up the Bible and it's right there. Uh, to the Psalms. And the Psalms is the largest book of the Bible. It's a vast collection of musical prayers, of songs, of poems, and it speaks really to what it means to be human. It's Israel's collection of music that wrestles with this broad spectrum of human emotion. And it may surprise some people who assume worship is only about exuberance and happiness to know that some of the Psalms are really depressing. They're, they're, they talk about hardships and, and struggles. And I like to point um, my teenage friends to the Psalms when they come to me and they ex express that teenage angst. You know, it's just like, oh, life is hard. And I have my parents and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, read the Psalms. You'll, you'll identify their uncensored, unapologetic description of life, their real life struggles, and they can be covered in 30,147 words of the Psalms. Listen to what is in some of the Psalms. There's doubt, there's love, there's fear, hatred, agony, joy, vengeance, depression, celebration, anxiety, heartbreak, and hope, all found within this book of the Bible. And many think that the Psalms was only written by the same guy. You know, David, that fellow who he played the secret chord of the Lord. But David was not the only author of the Psalms. There were dozens of writers, poets, and musicians behind them. Other contributors include Solomon, Ethan the Ezraite, Moses, Asap, and Haman, and the sons of Korah. And so since the Psalms, they since they grant us just this glimpse of the full spectrum of human emotion, it also gives us a glimpse of the full spectrum of worship. Something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, what is worship? Why do we worship? And you know, you use a word so much that it sometimes loses its luster. We say this term and it begins to, um, we disassociate from the true meaning. I feel like that one of the words in the Christian world is worship. We have volunteers who serve on a worship team and we host experiences like this called worship services. We have an order of worship that we follow along in. The church that I grew up in uh, referred to their meeting space, their sanctuary as the worship center. And worship is, though, the center of our Christian vocabulary. But why? Why is it so important? I believe that worship is the center of our Christian lifestyle. It's what we are called to do. We should eat, breathe, sleep, and live for worship. And so it's, it's worth asking then, what is worship? Well, theologian Richard Foster prompt, worship is the human response to the divine initiative. We were made for worship. We were made to worship God. 
You know, as we're surrounded by God's power and wonder and splendor, worship is just a natural response. We begin to wrestle with the wonder of God. We worship just overflows. And then God invades our hearts and minds with his presence and the power and the glory. Foster continues, to worship is to experience reality. It is to know, to feel, to experience the resurrected Christ amid the gathered community. It is breaking into the Shekinah, meaning the presence of God, or better yet, being invaded by the Shekinah of God. So worship's not just about songs or sacraments. It's about breaking into the presence of God and uncovering a real and raw experience one with the resurrected Christ. He is alive. We experience him through worship. When we worship, the divine intersects our daily lives. When any person encounters Christ, then they leave changed. And that's what worship ought to do. The practice of worship is the practice of being transformed by the presence of God regularly, daily, not just once a week. So this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to look at this particular psalm. It's one that we find in the lectionary readings. And each of the ancient hymns, they're designed to help all generations to step into his splendor and to leave changed. And so this morning, we're going to learn how authentic worship allows God's presence to shape us. The psalms is sort of like a playlist used by ancient Israel in worship. I want you to think about your playlist. Maybe you have a Spotify playlist or Apple Music playlist. What do you have on repeat? What is your go-to song when just you're feeling wonderful about life? What do you listen to when you're feeling sad or upset? You know, I'm a huge fan of Spotify playlists. Uh, growing up, I listened to um, a lot of different music, um, a lot of different kinds of music. Anyone here ever listened to America's Top 40 with Casey Kasem? Yes, that was weekly um, weekend radio in our house. So I grew up with this appreciation of music, but I couldn't tell you the titles of songs or the artists who sang them. I just know I enjoyed them. And even today, I, I couldn't tell you who sings what. <laughs> But I like Spotify playlists because one, they tell you who's, play, who's singing the song, right? And they even sometimes share with you the lyrics, but they choose songs for you. You know, you can choose a playlist on Spotify based on your mood, whatever mood you're in. And I have a lot of, I've listened to a lot of their playlists. And one of my favorites is songs to sing in the shower. Now, I don't sing in the shower, but this playlist, song, go look it up, Songs to Sing in the Shower, it's just this feel-good songs that most people, including myself, know the lyrics to and can sing along to. But every now and then on Spotify, I choose the Discover playlist. And now the Discover playlist, it's generated by Spotify based on the music that you typically listen to. And it's populated by new songs that they want to suggest to you. Well, I don't always like the new songs, right? I, I prefer songs I know, prefer songs that I can sing along to. And so I often struggle to connect with these new songs that Spotify is suggesting. And so I, I just feel like I'm not feeling it. So I skip to the next one and 
then I skip to the next one until eventually I change the playlist. But every now and then, every now and then, I come across a song that speaks to me, a new song that I like, that I add to my regular playlist. Psalm 96 is an old song that specifically demands that we sing a new song. So creating, creating music, creating new music, was extremely common in ancient Israel after big victories. So if you think about it, think about the Old Testament. After crossing the Red Sea, Moses commanded that they sing a new song. After Deborah won the war, she sang a new song to God. Asaph wrote a new song similar to this after Jerusalem won a generation-long war and brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Zion. Psalm 96 was likely commissioned to be performed during a major historical event, such as an inauguration or a coronation. The song is a royal psalm of deliverance. And this particular song is special because it's not just a message limited to Israel and its people, but the whole world is to sing of God's salvation on a global scale. The psalmist writes, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Everything is to sing of God's goodness. A new song represents God doing something new. This is a reason to celebrate God's work in the world. It's a reason to worship God. But let's be real. Sometimes we don't feel like worshiping. We look around at the world and we don't see very many things to celebrate. In fact, there are reasons you and I don't feel like worshiping. Our hearts are just not in it. Our weak has us weak. We're upset, we're frustrated, downright apathetic. Sometimes we feel stuck. We feel like the words of the songs are the words of scripture they just feel void. We don't want to stand, we don't want to sing, we don't want to let out a shout of praise. We just want to sink in our pews and, or rather maybe retreat to our favorite restaurant for lunch. Let's just get out of here. I get it, I've been there. So sometimes life is tough and we don't feel very much like connecting to the presence of God. So what do we do in those moments when we we don't feel God's presence when we don't feel very connected or we don't even want to connect to God. Psalm 96, like many of the other Psalms, carries some paradoxical tension though. The choir saying about all the nations proclaiming God's reign. So at this point though, when Psalm 96 is written, it's, that's not true, right? Other nations are refusing to uh, accept the one true God let alone praise him. The people were praising God for something that had not completely come to pass. Something was not yet. And that's what we're to do when we don't feel like praising in the present. We push through and we look to the future. The art of praise, especially, especially with a new song, it's not just an act of explanation, explaining what's happened, but it's an act of imagination. What could be, what the possibility is, what do we look forward to? Praise forces us 
as participants to put on uh, God goggles, I like to call them, over bloodshot eyes, just to see spectacles that help us to see, imagine the world through God's lenses, a faith-filled optimism, if you will. We praise God for deliverance even when we remain in the process. We praise God for healing even when hurt just keeps showing up time and time again. We praise God for family even when we still fight. We praise God for breakthrough even when we feel as though that's a pending promise. It just hasn't happened yet, but we have hope. Praise is important, especially when we're struggling to get into that mindset. So I encourage all of us to push through, to to posture ourselves in praise, even when we don't feel like it. Why? Why would we do that? It's because praise provides a pathway to the presence of God. Do you hear that? It's the way into the presence of Jesus. Praise even when we don't feel like it. Praise even when life is hard. Praise even when life just doesn't make sense. Again, we ask why. Why would we do that? Because the act of praise brings you closer to the powerful presence of the problem solver, the promise keeper, the one who holds the key to life. The presence of Jesus comes with all his core characteristics. Think of it. These are the things that we need most in life when things are maddening. Praise is not powerful because of the music or the instruments or even the lyrics. Praise is powerful because it is an act of intentional, prayerful connection to God. Since praise is a pathway to the presence of Jesus, praise leads us then to all his life-changing qualities and characteristics. Since praise is the pathway to joy, Think of it, despite the sorrow that we feel. Praise is the pathway to love. We honor God even in our heartbreak. Praise is the pathway to peace. We worship God and our worry fades away. Praise is the pathway to Jesus, the only true source of everlasting change. So the psalm helps us see that God has been meeting his people through the music, through praise for thousands of years. So praise is not just important. I believe it's imperative. It's imperative for the Christian life. Allow me to end with a personal story, one in which is a time in my life where these truths rang so true. It was about 10 years ago, some of my dear friends of mine lost their six-year-old boy in a terrible drowning accident. It was heartbreaking, and uh, they attended our church. They were devout Christ followers, and they were models of Christian discipleship. And our entire church did what we could to come around this couple and to meet their needs and their grief, and even while dealing with our own grief. And at the memorial service, the, the the place was packed, the, the sanctuary was filled. People had come from all over the country to support this family and their grief. And I don't remember much of what was said in the memorial service. I don't even remember the songs that we sang, but I do remember the mood. 
I remember what it felt like to be in that worship service and to be one of the people who were grieving. It was a mood, though, of uplifting praise. Songs that were sung lifted up the name of Jesus. The musicians, they led the congregation in worship, even in the heartbreak, even in the trying times. And I I left the church that day with having experienced the presence of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I I want you to hear me that the pain of the loss of that young child was, was not gone. In fact, for months, I questioned God and I struggled with my faith and I doubted his, his existence, but never did I doubt that God was somewhere present among the grief, among the pain, because I had experienced him. I had experienced worship and his presence in that worship. So as, and as I journeyed through this difficulty and this hardship and watching my friends mourn the loss of their precious boy, I came out on the other side singing a new song, singing a song that God was still there. God was present with us. He was still worthy of praise. So you see, we must worship God. We must praise him even in the midst of our struggles and our hardships. By doing so, we experience Jesus more fully.